Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. With over 350 league wins, he's one of the most successful coaches in Ivor League history. He's guided the program to five league titles, four NCAA tournament appearances, and really turned the program into a powerhouse there in the Ivy. Head men's basketball coach for the Yale Bulldogs, Coach James Jones. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Great to be with you. A lot of things we could have talked about with Coach Jones, but I decided to have him on to talk some defense, and specifically man defense. This past season played all but about, according to Synergy Coach, all but about five possessions of zone defense. Uh, everything else was man-to-man and rated excellent, about 0.82 points per possession. Coach, there's a lot of variations on man-to-man defense. How would you describe what you all do there at Yale? Right. Well, we, we try to contain the ball. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, we're not trying to turn you over, although our defense will turn you over at times. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep you in front um, and, and just like everybody else, make you take tough twos and uh, try to run you off the three-point line and, and uh, protect the rim and, and don't give you layups. So if we can get you to take tough twos, especially early in the shot clock, that's good for us. And um, that's what our decent defense is designed to do. When you bring in new players, where do you start? Do you have core principles or is there anything like a list of things that you're like, we have to focus on these things first? Well, I think that as we recruit kids, we recruit to who we are. And there are three things that we want to try to do in Yale basketball. We want to rebound, we want to defend, and we want to share the ball. You know, obviously defending is defending, and and rebounding is a a big part of defending because does you no good if you can get a stop and not get the rebound. So um, we kind of bring our guys in, having them with that understanding that that's what we're trying to do as a team and a program, and then try to build from there. A lot of it has to do with just simply playing hard. How do you train your players to play hard? Well, I, a lot of that is desire. Like I tell my kids all the time, you know, people ask me, what do you look for? I, we look for toughness. If the ball's on the ground, you're either going to look at it or you're going to go get it. If you're going to look at it, your team's losing. So we want the guys that are going to get on the ground and not scared to get dirty and go get the ball. And that gets contagious. It gets contagious both ways. If you got guys that don't dive on the ground, then you have a team that doesn't dive, dive on the ground. If you have guys that dive on the ground, you have a team that dive, dives on the ground. So we try to build that way. And, and, and like I like to say all the time, we want some guys with some snot in their nose because I can't make you tougher if you're not tough. Um, you know, we can do some things and try to help you out. But if you're not a tough guy, it's going to be hard to, to want to get into a fight and get dirty. Like, you know, you've had friends when you were growing up and you know some guys you could depend on in a, in a gang fight and some guys you couldn't depend on. And I certainly knew who they were. You all typically do a great job defending without fouling. What's the key for you all to be physical and tough, but still limit the amount of times that you foul? Yeah, it's playing with your feet, right? It's, it's all about your feet and, and not your hands. So if we you know, work on footwork and staying in front of our man, containing the ball and have them shoot over the top of you or try to shoot over you as opposed to around you and giving up angles, um, that's key for us. Like we talk all the time, like we don't want to give up any straight line drives. 
We want to make sure that we don't give up angles at the basket. We want to make sure we take those things away by moving our feet, staying in front. If we utilize our hands, um, that's what's going to get you in trouble. That's easy. Those are easy calls for the officials to make. So we have to deal with our feet first and, you know, trying to be physical with our chest and uh, our arm bars that we can put up and everything but trying to put your hands on the man because that, that makes it easy for the officials to make a call. I've heard from even D1 coaches like yourself, they they will frequently say the hardest thing for the players coming in and playing defense the way that we want them to play is that they struggle to guard the basketball. Do you do anything one-on-one? Is it all five-on-five, just breakdown drills? What do you do to improve a kid's ability to guard the basketball? Well, again, like so, like you said, we break down everything that we do. And, and there's a long t- time ago when I started coaching, I, I must have been in a clinic or I heard a coach say this one time, that the game of basketball is going to come down to one-on-one quite often. And if you can't defend one-on-one, well, it's going to make it hard for you to be able to play. And the more you can defend one-on-one, the less help we have to give so our defense doesn't doesn't have to bend and break. Because that's what offenses are designed to do. They're designed to bend you and break you. So if I can keep you in front and I don't have to give up help um, have to have help out as much where those drives and kicks aren't open. If you can guard one-on-one at the basket, that means we don't have to double team. Those kickouts aren't open. So we try to make sure that we spend a lot of time playing one-on-one to make sure we're ready for that and teaching our guys what they're not doing correctly. And again, most of it's with your feet, moving your feet and, and being able to stay in front. And, you know, there are times where you got to get handsy and be physical and we'll do that. And like, you know, in, in practice, we rarely call a foul. We try not to, to try to keep it moving and try to keep guys understanding what they're supposed to do. But there are times where you have to calm it down and, and do call fouls and have the guys understand. But a lot of it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four before we even get to five-on-five. You mentioned more so of like a gap type defense. And I fear that sometimes coaches hear that and they think of almost like a zone. How important is the on-the-ball pressure that you're giving for the entire system that you're trying to operate in? Well, the ball pressure on the ball isn't as important to me as being able to contain it. Um, like I said, we're not trying to turn you over. So, um, you know, if, if everybody's doing their job, you don't need to have as much ball pressure. But when we're playing a team that is a set, a set team, that they want to get the ball here and they want to move it here and we know what's going on, we run a motion offense. So you don't know where it's coming from most of the time. We have, you know, several options on every play. But like when you're running a set, well, there's one option where you want to pass the ball most likely or two options. If you take one or two of those away, what do you have then? Um, so we will do some of that and try to put ball pressure and denying some of those things that we know are coming. But if you're in motion offense or you're a breakdown or late shot clock, we want to be in the gap. We want to stay in front. And if you drive it, we want to stunt the gap and make sure we get back to our man so we don't give anything up. So being able to play between the two and, and help each other out is really important. Is there anything as far as playing in the gap or even playing two passes away? Is it just split 50-50 between my man and the ball, chest to my man? Is there anything specific that you give the guys? What we have is if you take if you envision the foul line and a foot and a half above it, we put a, a dotted line um, higher than that line. And then we have two lines that uh, go diagonal toward the corner from there. So that's kind of like a little bit of a hexagon that we have. And we talk about, you know, keeping guys outside of that area. That's our helpline. So you're going to be on that. You're going to be on that helpline. If you behold that helpline, you're too low, which means is if you have to help, you're going to be giving up a shot because there's no way you can recover quick enough unless you call Lewis to get out to a man on the perimeter. So we have those spots on the floor 
and teach our guys through those lines. And they're pretty much on the floor most every practice we have. I'm assuming, especially early on, using those is is really important to help guys understand where they're exactly they're supposed to be. No question. Like we have X's on the floor where we want to be offensively, and we have those lines on the floor where we need to be defensively. I was watching some film this morning, and something that stuck out to me, you already alluded to it just very quickly, though, but just how solid defenders, whoever was guarding a post player, didn't matter if it was you know your five, four, even some of the guards. Can you explain what you teach to the players that are defending in the post, on the post up, once the guy catches the ball, and then once the offensive player makes a move to score? So here, here, here we go. And if I, if I miss any part of that, bring me back to center. Okay. So the first thing we want to do is not allow the ball to come in, right? We want, like, listen, most guards don't want to pass the ball. They really don't. They really, they're scared to turn it over, and they don't want to give the ball up anyway. So if you fight for post position and get an arm bar over the front of the man, most guards are deterred to even try to pass it in. So that's where it starts. And then we want to make sure we're splitting the defensive body uh, defender's body where your, your leg is between his and you're trying to push him off the spot. Herb Williams, who used to play for the Knicks, he once said that I knew when I guarded somebody, if I had them a foot further or two feet further than they wanted to catch the ball, that shot percentage goes down like 30%. Hmm. So all I was, all he was trying to do was get you to that spot, knowing that instead of shooting 54%, you're going to shoot 22, 24%. So those are the kind of things, techniques that you want to try to do. And then once the, guy, once the player has caught the ball and is trying to make a move, we want to be as physical as possible, give as much contact to the man as possible, and then try to wall him up or chest him up and have him, again, shoot through you, not giving up angles to the side. So I have to move my feet and be tough and strong, move guys off their spot, and when they go up, this, when they go up they have to feel my presence. There has to be contact. There can't be any space between you and your man if, in fact, your physicality is going to stop him or prevent him from being as successful as he normally would be. Is it two hands to the ceiling to take away vision, one hand? What do you want them to do, or doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I saw most of your guys were doing one hand, and it was fantastic. I, they just did a great job of not fouling. They were straight up, but they also, like you said, gave there was no space in between, and they felt them there, and it seemed to uh, seemed to cause problems. Yeah, but you know, like most guys don't like contact. Yeah. Most guys don't like the physicality of, of the game. It's, it's hard to play through it. So you don't, you don't ever practice against contact, right? Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden you, you're, getting, you're getting lit up a little bit. It's just a little harder to be comfortable with scoring. And again, you want to make your opponent as uncomfortable as possible. A quick timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. What all does your staff chart in regards to defense? Do you have any number goals that you're trying to achieve over the course of a game? Um, well, the one goal that we've chart over the game for defense, we, we call a kill chart. And have you, are you familiar with that? I am, but go ahead and explain it for everybody. Yeah. So, um, a kill is three stops in a row. And your goal is our goal, like four or five years ago, five years, six years ago, when we started this was to get five kills in a game. So 
You know, that's three stops five times. And if you could do that, you're going to be pretty successful uh, with your defense. And so now we've our goal now is to get seven kills in a game. And we have a chart down our locker room that, that, and we put up basketballs every time that we, we reach our goals to make sure everybody understands it. I have someone who charts it on a bench, one of my assistant coaches. And every time we get to two kills, the bench is yelling out, this is for a kill, this is for a kill. Hype the team up a little bit to, to give you some energy and focus to get another stop so you can get another kill. So, you know, that's something that we'll chart. We'll also chart um, the number of times that you block out. Um, and that you give up a block out, that you don't block out. Like, you know, you didn't block out four times in practice today. So we chart that out when we let guys know when, in fact, they're missing their blockouts because obviously that's really important. And then the last one is deflections. We chart deflections and how many times can you get a hand to pass a lane to deter a pass or change the course of a pass or get a steal because you have active hands. Like, you know, the ball's passed and every time you close out to it, you want to make two plays on a ball because if somebody's loose with it, you might be able to get a turnover for nothing. Kills, we started charting it years ago. We got the seven, and we were winning like 90% of our games. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. Something it's like it's hard to lose when you get stops. That's exactly right. We also took it a step further. We actually had one of our managers tape up every time we got a kill. We would tape up a picture up on the, the bleachers behind us. So it was actually something visual that the guys were able to see. That's that, pretty cool. That seemed to like rally everybody too. They got excited about it just like your guys because they wanted to put up something else on the on So the what, what 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 was the what what you put up? We're Bruins and yeah. uh we did the the claw like the call like ripping through wow. something. So yeah. we did those this year. So yeah it was just something like I said just something visual that I think that when they came to the bench and we had the timeout those things were up behind them and they saw them or they saw them just during the game when we came down on the defensive end. So I like yeah. the idea. You all were rated excellent as well in transition this season. What do you teach for transition defense? And also how do you drill that? We send three, four and five to the offensive glass and one and two back. That's conceptually what we try to do. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you get a point guard that drives and now your three man's got to get back and your two man's got to get. So there are things that occur. So we do a variety of transition drills in practice um, to help us understand what to do. And the biggest thing for us in transition is that we load up on a strong side. So for a team to have an advantage to, for a team to get out and beat you in transition, they need to have an advantage, right? And if you're a man down or a man slow, that's when they get you the most of the time. So, but before that, you have to make sure that everyone who sprints back is ready to guard the ball and stop the ball. Stop the ball, stop penetration, contest the shot, block out, rebound, run. So that's what you're trying to do as the, when they come down in transition. But we want to load up to the strong side. And if there's anybody that's open, they got to be weak side. So the person that's coming down last in transition, he's got to go to the weak side. And if the ball is being passed as he's coming back, there's got to be great communication to be able to figure out who you're going to pick up. And that communication is the biggest part to your defense, both in the half court and in transition. If we talk, we can get through most everything. Like it's, it's just like a metaphor for the world. If we just have conversations and we can we can talk, well, we don't have to disagree on it. Well, we can disagree, we can agree this to we can agree to disagree, but at least we un, we can get to the point where we understand each other. We can have a communication, right? And that's what communication is, a back and forth. So we'll do a um a five on five community uh, transition drill where we put five guys on the baseline, five guys across the foul line, everybody runs it. Throw the ball to one guy. If your guy is a guy that you're in front of, you got to touch the baseline. Now you're a man down going another way. We'll go foul line block out because I'm a big stickler for rebounding the ball. So we'll block out on – because we do a rebounding drill every day in practice. 
and this is one that's a little bit lighter, so there's not as much punishment on the bodies. We'll, we'll go foul line block out. And there's communications that we have during the foul line. Who's got to block out whom? Who's going to get the shooter? All that. And I always have one of my assistant coaches shoot the free throw because I don't want any of my guys practicing missing free throws. Mm-hmm. That's that's for my – don't ever practice missing free throw. So we'll go back and transition from a missed free throw. We'll do that. We'll have it where we'll do the um, war drill from – from, uh, from Tom Izzo. Michigan State, Tom Izzo. You got three guys circling around in the paint, and you got five guys on the perimeter. Shot goes up. There's 10 feet. They got to be in the paint. Everybody blocks out. So they're just different ways of teaching the same thing. And then you're yelling at your guys to sprint back, get back, load up, communicate. You got to stop it every time they don't to make sure everybody understands and point it out. So there's all that building up that helps you understand uh, what you need to do in transition so you don't get beat. Well, let's talk a little bit more rebounding. Does every position defensive rebounding? Does every position have the same responsibility, like all five hitting, or do you do triangle? Yeah, everybody, everybody has a has a um, responsibility rebounding the ball. All five guys. So most of the time, you know, the ones and twos aren't going to go for offensive rebound. Um, but you have to check your man number one, and you're trying to get all the ones. Our ones and two are trying to get all those long rebounds, mm-hmm. right? They come out, and then you know, trying to dig those out. And then, you know, three, four, and five, you're, you're hitting first. And most of the time, if someone's going in for an offensive rebound and you hit them one time, they stop playing. It's like, okay, I had enough. That's good. I'm good. I'm good. The forearm and the chest was good enough for me because I don't really want it that bad. So teaching our guys to hit first is really important and, and finding bodies. Like a lot of times, human nature, like the shot goes up and you go to look at the ball as opposed to finding your man before you go. Right. And that's something that you got to continue to drill in your guys about understanding the importance of finding a man before you go rebound. Your guards, especially, are typically really good rebounders. Is that good recruiting or good coaching? Um, you know, I would say it's probably more so on a, on a uh, coaching, uh, recruiting end of it. Like it's something that you notice, like something that you gravitate to. I like him. We have a, a point guard, backup point guard, Yasin Brown. And Yasin is a tremendous defensive rebound. And every time I went to watch him play, like we, we played Vanderbilt this past season in, in IT. And he's, I don't even know how he got the ball. Like he's jumping up there because he can't jump over a cracker. He's <laughs> jumping up there. He's grabbing rebounds. And he's just got, he has a nose for the ball. And that's something that you gravitate to. And like when I was recruiting him, I told him, I, I love the fact that you go in and get your, your your uniform dirty and you're going to mix it up with the trees. He doesn't care how big you are, how strong you are. If he can get the ball, he's going to go get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that speaks to uh, our staff in terms of who we're looking at and, and what they do. Um, we don't like the guys that, that watch a lot. We like the guys that engage and, and, and actually play. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Uh, let me go back out to like full system, defensive system, not just rebounding. Uh, you've talked a little bit one-on-one for teaching on-ball stuff, some five-on-five for rebounding, transition, that kind of thing. Do you use anything in between three-on-three? Like wh- what are your favorite ways outside of the ones that you've already mentioned for teaching team defense? You know, we're going to do a, a, the four-on-four shell drill. 
uh, where, you know, um, we build up our defense and we, we, we figure out how to guard all kind of screening action. So we'll guard down screens, flare screens, back screens, uh, stagger doubles, rescreening. So we'll do all that at our four on four. Uh, we'll go uh, three on three rebounding drill where we're teaching guys how to rebound and block out with three guys on the perimeter. You throw the ball to one guy, call a number, and he's got to go get it. Another two guys got to communicate how to block out the other two guys. We do three on four scramble, which is one of my favorite drills, but we add the fourth guy to block out. So three guys are trying to guard four. As soon as the shot goes up, everybody able to move now because on the, on the four on three, you don't, you're not allowed to move because the defense could never stop you if you could move. So now you're on a perimeter just moving the ball and they got to move and find it. Give, don't give up any uncontested shots. And then when the shot goes up, the fourth guy who's on the baseline, he's got to find a man that's not being guarded and block him out. So, again, that's all build-up stuff to, to affect your defense and, you know, one-on-one full-court drills. I mean, there's a thousand of them that we do to try to build it up. And, you know, we do a pretty good job at starting from scratch at the beginning of the year and slowly building to the point where we get to five-on-five. And, you know, my assistant coaches, they <laughs> I'm a little old school in a lot of ways. And they, they, they every year they're trying to push me to go five-on-five five a lot sooner than I want to. Like, uh, there were times – I, I've had years where our first practice, we didn't take one shot. <laughs> it was just all defense. We're just going to, we're going to get down and we're just going to defend. You know, we didn't, you're not taking any shots today. Um, and again, I, I've since changed that a little bit where on the first practice of the year, we actually may play some five on five just to keep our guys vested in what we're doing. For your practice planning, do you segment this is offense, this is defense, or are you doing everything together? I would say that um, I have different segments. So if I were to go over an average practice toward the end of the year, uh, we do some stretching to begin with, some movement action, either some backdoor cutting action, some full forward dribbling, just to get the guy's blood flowing. Then we'll get into some kind of shooting drill to keep the blood flowing. Then we might go into go to some offense, so excuse me, some uh, dummy offensive work. And then we'll go to offensive execution where we're going to try to, you know, we, if we did some dummy offense, those plays we're going to jump. Now we're going to go to those plays live, and then we might go one on one approach. We might go three on four scramble from there. We might go four on four shell, or then a five on five shell, a rebounding drill, a transition transition drill. Then we got a drink break. We come back. And we got a, a more shooting that goes on post perimeter, and then we probably divide up and and probably play some uh, scrimmaging action in the half court. Go down and back and then maybe have a five-minute game at the end. So it's, you know, we, we separate it a lot, but obviously everything's going to be intertwined. And if you were to look at the beginning of the year, uh, we really start out with a lot of the breakdown stuff offensively and defensively that we want to do where we'd have chunks of the segments so it's just defense. But we're just going to do one-on-one drill. We're going to do a mass drill defensively. We're going to do closeout drills, like all that build-up stuff to stop you. How do you use your assistance? Are you kind of guy that goes, you're watching offense and defense, or have you doled out responsibilities, or how do you work with that? Well, I'm fortunate that I have two men that have been with me for quite some time. Matt Kingsley's, I think he's going on his 18th year with us, and Justin Simon's going on his 12th year with us. Um, so Justin played for me as well. So he's had a 16-year relationship with me, and I've known him since he's 18 years old. Um, so that being said, they have a great deal of responsibility within our program. And I think that one of the things that struck me as an assistant coach is that I was, I didn't feel like I was allowed to do much. 
that that you know the head coach had taken most of the responsibilities, everything. And I go to practice, and it would take forever because you just like watching, right? Which is fine if you need to learn, but if you feel like you can add something, that makes it kind of hard just to sit there and watch. So my guys, um, I give them responsibility. We have a meeting at ten o'clock, standing meeting at ten o'clock every day, and I have a practice plan that's ready, and we'll go over it. I'll get their input about practice. Hey, so you guys think? And sometimes I have a question like. Do you think we should work on this or that? And I'll get their input. Okay, let's change it up and do this. Or someone might have a suggestion. Okay, let's do that. So I'll redo practice plan and I'll give them another sheet and we'll be ready to go that afternoon. But every drill, everybody has a responsibility of what they're supposed to be doing. All right, you got the post guys on this. I want you to watch out to make sure they're blocking out. I, and Matt, you got the guards. I want to make sure that they're in a gap and they're calling ball when they close out. Whatever it is, everybody has a responsibility on every drill. And I let them break it down and They'll coach on both ends, and I'll go back and forth and stop whatever it is I want to stop. Last thing, finish this sentence. If you were standing in front of a group of coaches at a clinic and your sentence started this way, where would it go next? In order to be an elite defensive team, you must what? You must have a vision of what it's supposed to look like. Hmm. It's really hard to do or to be really good unless you know what you're supposed to see. So when at, at night – but when I do my practice plan and if I close my eyes, I know exactly what it's supposed to look like. And then when I go to practice the next day, it sure as hell better look like that or we're going to have a problem, right? Or we're not going to be as good that day or we're not going to get any work done. So being able to be really good at anything that you do on a basketball court, you have to be able to close your eyes and see what it's supposed to look like and know what you want to get out of your players and how you want to get it. So whatever it is, I think that the one thing I think that's good about me as being a coach is that I know there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to play defense. It's just not this way. Only like we used to be a hard head ball screen team, and we were really good at it, right? And because I had two dudes that played the four and the five, they moved their feet as well as any guard in the country, and they could switch up if they had to, and they were really good at that. And um, and then we went to, we then we've been in drop coverage most of the time because of our personnel, but again we changed because of who we have. Now I could still be trying to ball screen and, and hard hedge, but we wouldn't be nearly as good as we were in 2015, 16, when I had uh, Justin Sears and Brandon Sherrod. So I think that understanding that there's more ways to skin a cat and, and being able to evolve with who you have and go by personnel, because it's hard to get exactly the right guys you want every single year no matter where you are, especially when you're at a mid-major school to get the right guy. Like we had this kid my my third year, or my second year, Paul Vitelli, um, tremendous player. He was six foot, seven, eight, and nine. And he led us in rebounding three-point shooting from a four spot. And I remember my sister saying, we could just go out and get another Paul Vitelli. Dude, there's one guy like that in the country. <laughs> we had him, he just graduated. And to get a guy that good is just almost impossible each and every year. So. The guys we get, we have to make sure that we take our program like a piece of clay and mold it to what we have. That's Coach James Jones, head coach for the Yale Bulldogs. So much great stuff. Coach, thanks for working with me to make this happen. Anytime, Tony, anytime. <laughs>